doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Kelsey about her chronic pain. Kelsey has been diagnosed with both widespread pain due to fibromyalgia, as well as more specific joint pain from rheumatoid arthritis. For any of our listeners who experience any type of chronic pain, emotional or physical, you will relate to this conversation. Kelsey spoke very astutely to the unfairness of living with chronic pain. There are so many societal and physical limitations that are just so unfair. We talk about trying to get help from doctors who don't take you seriously trying to get help and prescriptions for pain management from doctors who accuse you of drug-seeking behavior, even though you've shown absolutely no signs of doing so. The unfairness of being treated like your chronic pain is your fault. Trying to find the balance of getting a little bit of physical exercise when any movement can be incredibly painful. And on top of that, dealing with the emotional health challenges that chronic pain can bring. And then being accused of your emotional health causing your chronic pain. I've experienced all of these things myself, all of these different unfair scenarios that we are put in as chronic pain patients. And that's why I had so much fun talking to Kelsey. <laughs> you know, I always, I always end up laughing at things that are so serious and smiling when we talk about things that are so hard to live through. But it's because I relate and because I love talking to other people about it. It makes me feel less alone. And this conversation did that for me once again. I love talking to Kelsey. She is a marketing assistant by day and a creator by night, a very creative person who's into a lot of the same geeky things that I love, you know, sci-fi and fantasy and all of the great things that are so wonderful for distraction therapy. She's such a cool person who lives under this incredibly unfair weight of chronic pain. And I'm so grateful for Kelsey to come on the show and to share her story with us. Uh, you know, I find it so healing to hear stories like this, and I hope you do as well. We got a comment on our website from last week's fantastic episode with India about living with chronic migraines and Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So this is from Morgan. My heart goes out to India. I cannot tell you how much of a comfort this episode has been. Morgan, thank you so much for your comment. I found this extra touching just because Morgan has been on the show talking about her own journey with Ehlers-Danlos. So to know that she found comfort hearing from India last week meant a lot to me. I love hearing from you, the listeners of this show. You can always reach out to me at majorpainpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment on any episode of the show at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. If this podcast is part of your weekly ritual and you would like to help support the show, one of the best ways you can do so is through Patreon patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. So thank you to everyone supporting the show through Patreon. It means so much. Having this little bit of income coming in from creating this show has made a massive difference in my life, my stress level, my ability to actually pay for something every once in a while since I haven't been able to work for the last five years. It is huge. Thank you all so much. And extra special thank you to our three Patreon producers, which is the highest tier of support on Patreon, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, and Ensign Q. By signing up on Patreon, you can gain access to bonus episodes and special gifts like Major Pain coasters and tote bags made by my mom, which are absolutely beautiful. So head over to patreon.com slash Major Pain Podcast to check it out. 
If you are already a part of our Patreon community, I have posted the prompt for our next bonus episode for our January bonus episode. So I've posted up the prompt that says to submit your questions for our January episode. Andy and I convene once a month to record a bonus episode just for all of our Patreon uh, community. So if you are a part of that community, you can head to that post and leave a comment with the question that you'd like us to answer in the next episode. And if you'd like to sign up to take part in these bonus episodes, you can do so at patreon.com com slash major pain podcast look for the post that says submit your questions for the january episode as we move into our discussion with kelsey today i will remind you that we are not medical professionals we are just people living with chronic pain sharing our stories this podcast is not to be considered medical advice and please do not take any medical action based off of what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor and with that, we'll jump into our absolutely fantastic conversation with Kelsey about living with fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis. Kelsey, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm excited to chat with you. We were connected through a mutual friend who's a big Star Wars nerd. So I know we have some some nerddom in common. <laughs> yes, absolutely. One of the ways that I always identify myself as is like, yep, huge nerd, because that's been a part of me basically as long as I can remember. And it's a f- informed a lot of my uh, life decisions and the fun <laughs> stuff I do on the internet now. So it's like, <laughs> yep, yep, big nerd, big nerd. That's me. I yeah. can be a professional nerd one day. Awesome. That's the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how like for for nerds, I mean, I'm a huge nerd as well. And I feel like the things that I love are a huge part of what define who I am. You know, it's like yes. you know, if knowing someone else loves Star Wars and Star Trek, it's like, okay, great. You must be cool. <laughs> yes, it's an instant connection. Absolutely. Like, when you're in a new workplace or just any new social environment and it happens to slip that they like Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, comic books, et cetera, et cetera. It's an instant. I like you. Yeah. There's potential here. There's potential. Absolutely. I like you. <laughs> well, let's get to know you a little bit. So aside from being a nerd, Kelsey, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Well, I am 32 years old, um, Midwesterner, born and raised, specifically Missouri, mid-Missouri, so Midwestern, and then even mid-Missouri. Um And I like to call myself a marketing assistant by day, but because of the comic books, a a creator by night, because that's my biggest passion. Um, As long as I can remember, I've just, it started off that I loved writing first. I was just sitting down, you know, it was a typewriter first because we didn't have uh, personal laptops and stuff back then. So it was the typewriter and then it was uh, the family computer. I was just writing (laughs) stories. Um, Then I wound up getting huge into film and TV. Loved it so much. I wound up going to film school, getting Mm. my degree in that. Wow. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, a nerd dumb definitely translated into career path. Um, And then right now I do. I still love it so much. I make uh, YouTube videos. I just started up this year, finally, after... I don't, I don't know, half my life loving photography and going, oh my gosh, how do they do that? I want to learn that. Finally, actually sitting down and starting to do photography and kind of teach myself and learn as I go because, hey, 
COVID pandemic, I'm inside all the time. What else am I going to do? <laughs> like find something new to do. Um, started playing around with painting, just things like that. So yeah, creativity is just, is really one of the ways where I just like, yeah, that's me. That's yeah. me. I'm a creative person. That's where my brain is always going. I can analyze fictional media all day long, spend hours <laughs> doing that. Uh, that's what I've been doing. Yeah, my, my poor mom has to listen to a lot of that, but thankfully she's pretty chill with it. Um, and then I am a cat parent. She's my buddy. So we just live alone together and chill. Uh, she watches K-dramas with me. Doesn't judge me. It's the best. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. When you said you were a cat parent, for a second, I thought you said cat parrot. <laughs> it's like, I'm a, I'm a self-identified cat parrot. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I have questions. <laughs> yeah. We need to look into that. I need answers. <laughs> I just feel like cat parrot, like cat mom. There's nothing yeah. wrong with calling yourself a cat mom, but it just kind of makes me go a little, that's not me. Cat parent. Yeah. Cat parent. That's ground. I like that a little better. That makes a lot more sense than cat parrot. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I, you know, I, you're speaking my language. I'm very much, you know, making stuff all the time and wanting to be a professional nerd <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. and making YouTube videos and stuff, film and TV. I just, well, I love it all. You know, I, I, I love, I love expression. I love when people come together to make a thing and I love just being moved by something that I watched. I just love that feeling. I'll never get sick of it. Me neither. Whether it's what I'm watching or music or a book, because there's basically like no kind of art that I don't love yeah. in some form. I, I am a shameless crier. I cannot tell you how <laughs> many times I've been in the movie theater and I'm sobbing and my family has just learned to put up with it. My best friends are like, Oh yeah, you know, no problem. But you know, some friends you're in a big group and they're like, Kelsey, it's just a movie. Like, why are you? And I'm like, you don't understand. It's because all these people, all of their talents came together to make this movie. Yeah. And sometimes you, I do believe in something like cinema magic. It just happens. Like how, how? Yeah. And it just, that way, same with music, same with writing. So yeah, I'm I'm a shameless crier when it comes to art. I I don't mind like it, if something can affect me that way because of the creations of other people and how they're expressing their passions. Yeah, I can't imagine myself not creating. Um, you know, I'm in a bad place if I have no creative urge at all or even ideas because yeah. that's just yeah that that's 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 I what love I love it. to do. That's I'm what I live. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that feeling of like pure magic, you know, like those, mm -hmm. a moment in a movie that just completely transports you where you forget that you're watching CGI and puppets and, you know, it just becomes reality. It, it's so moving just to know how many yeah. people worked on it and to see this like perfect moment. I love it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it, it is something that gets me through the bad moments as well. So let's get into this. Let's talk about um, some of what you've been through. So Kelsey, what is your major pain? I have what I like to call a lovely little maelstrom of fibromyalgia, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, chronic migraines, which also then translates into just chronic tension headaches, kind of chronic headaches in general. Um, and I've also been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, 
OCD and some secondhand PTSD. Wow. So a nice little combo. <laughs> that is a cocktail. <laughs> yes, it is. Every doctor I go to, I, I wind up breaking the ice with, I know I have a lot of overlapping things here and you're going to, I just hope you have fun figuring it all out. <laughs> Wow. So yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. I knew and we talked a little through email. I knew about the fibromyalgia. I didn't realize there was this sort of kaleidoscope of symptoms going on. What does that look mm-hmm. like in your daily life right now? Like how does that manifest? Man, the fibro is the main thing hmm. anymore. Um it manifests in almost every way I can imagine and that I've seen online for fibromyalgia. I didn't even actually realize until I got my diagnosis earlier this year and started digging into all of the symptoms that fibromyalgia can have. And it was like these light bulbs in my head. Oh, that's just not something random. It probably comes from that. Um, The main thing is widespread body pain. Um, Sometimes it concentrates itself, which is almost always in my calves and like my feet for some reason. Um, Same with my mom. It's always there. I don't know why. Um, But the widespread body pain is the worst. Um, It's been very rare for a long time that I have a day without either some kind of pain or aches, stiffness, just kind of hobbling around when I move. And then you also have sometimes migraines can be tied into fibromyalgia. Um, Brain fog. That's a huge one for me. It used to just be a thing that would come on now and again. I feel like I've, and part of it is the pandemic stress too, as well, I'm sure. But I feel like almost every day I'm living in some sort of brain fog where Sometimes I can't remember what I'm talking about, uh, what someone else was talking about. I can't follow the thread of a conversation Mm. or I'll get an email and I'll kind of blink at it and be like, no, wait, what are you saying? I I, I can't comprehend this. I'm having to do mental gymnastics that I don't have the ability to figure out right now. So where does the rheumatoid arthritis fit into this? And what, what is, I mean, I, I know very little about rheumatoid arthritis, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious about the difference in the pain. Like I know arthritis causes pain and fibromyalgia causes pain. Yeah. Which, which one causes what type of pain and how do you know which one is which? Yeah. So um, I was diagnosed originally with palindromic rheumatism when I was about 1920, which is a form of basically young person's arthritis. Um, and that started when I just started getting it was so hard for me to get out of bed in the morning Mm -hmm. and just bending down. I was working at my local library, just bending down to shelf books and getting back up again and moving around. I just felt pain. And I wasn't too surprised because almost every single person on both sides of my family has had some sort of really intense, sometimes crippling to their ability to live a life kind of rheumatoid arthritis. Wow. So I went to my mom and I was like, oh, wow, this is probably what it is, isn't it? So we went and got me checked and they couldn't find the RA markers. They did a whole huge long panel on me, even checking for Lyme because they were like, I believe you have what you have. 
which which was rare. I was very yeah, grateful to have wow. that then. <laughs> I, I, I know, right? never hear that. Almost never. I know. That is that wonderful. Is, <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> Let me tell you, that is the only time in my life I've had that reaction. Oh, no, so okay. It, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's so horrible. <laughs> I don't know I why know. I'm laughing. <laughs> no, you have to laugh. You right, have to laugh yeah. or else you'll just probably give up and lose all sense of will of anything. Yeah, yeah. totally. But um, it start. Yeah. They did a whole panel. They couldn't find what was wrong with me. So they gave me palindrome and rheumatism. And even though I still have RA, it's now been kind of just upgraded with age and severity into now being RA. Um, that kind of pain is just really sharp. It's like stinging kind of like, Sometimes it's needly. Sometimes mm. it just feels like, oh, you have knives being driven into your joints and then it'll just kind of rattle its way up the tendon wow. because it's especially in like, you know, elbow. It can just be in any joints, but it usually manifests in my elbows and just a random toe on like the, the, the fourth toe on my left foot, <laughs> but then my right elbow. And then sometimes in my neck, it just, it, it just throws a dart and decides, okay, I'm going to hit there today. And it makes absolutely no sort of sense. Wow. And uh, sometimes it's tied, it's usually tied into weather changes. Uh, you know, I've always joked for years of like, oh, I'm a human barometer because I can tell when it's going to rain or when the change, weather changes are going to happen because hello, uh, I'm hurting. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very sharp pain. Um, and it has that range of needly to kind of just a knife, just, yeah. just a knife is just sitting in my joints and it's not going to go away until it decides to go away. Whereas the fibromyalgia, it's, it's hard to explain just in the fact of the RA is sharp, whereas the fibro feels more distant or dull dull is yeah. the right word yeah the fibromyalgia feels more like a dull pain but that doesn't make it any less awful right. when it decides to ramp up to an insane intensity level dull pain <laughs> constant dull pain is maddening yes. you know i have a lot of experience with dull pain that is constant and mm. it's just maddening like your body is always like stressed you know and, and yes. for me that i think that contributes a lot to the brain fog because your your nervous system is just exhausted from just processing all of these pain sensations in areas where it shouldn't be but has decided to do so anyway forever <laughs> exactly is you would almost rather take the lesser sharp pain that just decides to show up whenever it would like Speaking for myself, um, where I had RA for a long time and then the fibro just kind of started to creep in and slowly grow until it overtook the RA to be the defining major pain trait that I have, if you will. Yeah. Um, instead of the constant dull pain, it can either be, like I said, the stiffness, the, the weakness, or just soreness all over, or it can be anywhere i would say my normal pain level these days is anywhere from a six to an eight i just wow. actually came out yeah i just actually came out 
of about a two week long flare mm. of fibro where about every day it was like eight or nine. And then some nights it was actually a 10 where I just, just all I can do is just either go to bed and hope I go to sleep or I just lie there crying because you can't do anything else with that kind of pain. You can't even try to disconnect and use self care or any of the great things I've learned in therapy because you just cannot focus on anything else. Yeah. And to have any form of that basically dogging you every day to some degree, it's exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. It's, yeah. It's like fibro on its own creates a lot of lack of endurance, um, a lot of lack of stamina, just lack of energy in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even, if you push your body too hard, you can basically have what I've always described and I've seen described online as a crash where your body and your brain just basically completely gives out on you and has to, you just, you have no choice but to sit around, lie in bed and reset. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's just exhausting. I yeah. don't describe myself as having very much energy these days and it does not take very much to wear me out. Um, uh, I've had uh, people saying, well, you need to get, you need to get into aerobics. You just need to exercise more. You need to do yoga and then you'll feel better. And that will help the fibromyalgia. And I'm just like, if the fibromyalgia has gotten so bad that I'm basically almost starting from scratch when it comes to my endurance level, if I'm taking a shower and that wipes me out for hours afterward, then I can't just jump into aerobics. <laughs> oh my God. You're absolutely. You're still speaking my language. We've changed topics. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's so, everything you're saying is so true. It's like, first of all, this comes, a couple of things that you just mentioned come up a lot on this show. One of them is, have you tried yoga? <laughs> which is like, which is the number one thing that people say when you talk about chronic pain. They're like, well, I don't think you've tried yoga, you know, because if you tried mm-hmm. yoga, you wouldn't be in chronic pain. Um, and like, I, I, I was into yoga like avidly for years, you know, before my, my recent, well, five years ago, I had a chronic pain flare up and I've been, you know, pretty mm-hmm. out of commission since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm circling a diagnosis. Like I was misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia a while back and got very, very familiar with it. And then learned later on that it looks like I don't have that. And now we're like trying to pinpoint a diagnosis. We might actually be getting close, mm-hmm. but still okay. waiting for, for answers on that. But um, yeah. yeah, so I used to be really into yoga, but then my, my body just like I physically couldn't do it anymore. Um, and like, like you said, showering, you know, showering became really, really hard. Like there's days where I'm lucky to get a shower and I'll go for like a couple of day stretches without, and then getting that shower will completely exhaust me for the rest of the day. Um, and these things go up and down. So it's like some days it's fine and other days it's not, but yeah, I mean the whole, the whole thing with, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but with fibromyalgia, like you said, if you do too much exercise, you can trigger a flare. Um, but if you do zero exercise, you can also trigger a flare. (laughs) So it's like finding that sweet spot in the middle. And I think this is what, you know, the truth of this thing, when people say, have you tried yoga? There is some truth in the middle here where it's like, yes, getting some physical activity can be very helpful with fibromyalgia, but finding that sweet spot is so insanely difficult because you're in so much pain 
Um, so like I've started thinking about it as like getting a little bit of movement instead of exercise, you know, just getting my body moving at all. Um, and get, getting that little tiny bit of something going can be super helpful, but going into mm -hmm. like a full blown workout can actually be super harmful. If you have not, if you're in a flare and you haven't conditioned your way back up to that. Absolutely. That's 100% what I'm trying to do now is to both find that balance which then can change day to day, hour right. to hour, yeah. within 15 minutes even. Yeah. So you just never know what you're going to wake up with every day and then from even what every day is going to look like. Yeah. Um, but finding balance and then also trying to condition myself back up because the past couple of years, I noticed, oh man, I'm, I'm feeling more pain. I'm feeling more, more exhausted all the time. Um, you know, what, what, what's going on here? This is just kind of weird. And I was just assuming, I was just self-deprecating and putting it on myself. I was like, well, you know, um, I've never been a very athletic person. I'm a book nerd. That's what I like to do most. Um, so I'm just out of shape or I'm just overweight, X, Y, Z, these kinds of things. And it's just all my own fault. Um, and then the fibro just came in and I didn't even realize how much it had taken out of me where, yeah, like I said, I basically have to condition myself up starting from square one. Yeah. And no one kind of really tells you how to do that. They yeah. expect you to jump from square one straight into yoga or aerobics. <laughs> and both those things are very intensive. Yeah, um, totally. And I'm absolutely not. I am not against yoga if it can wind up helping me. If it helps other people, I, I know that it helps other people. That's absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's building yourself back up again and then not even knowing how far you're going to be able to build yourself back up again. Like what right. is pushing myself enough that I will feel better and what is pushing myself too far yep. that I yep. have then broken myself for days on end. Like I have yep. had that happened several times within the past few months because when you actually do feel better you think oh okay well i'm just going to take advantage of it and do these things and then you just messed yourself over then you, so. then you crash yeah exactly yeah that i mean that's the balance it's just so hard and you know for me I, i've talked about this a bunch on the show but for me the breakthrough recently has been getting a wheelchair because i have like weird progressive weakness in my legs but mm. somehow like getting in the chair and using my arms to get myself around is, is exercise that I can do. And it was a really bizarre, um, you know, like roundabout way of discovering some sort of movement that I could do regularly. And it's been very life changing. Um, you know, I'm still like, I'm, it has not cured anything. It has just made my life a little <laughs> bit better and a little bit easier. And I, I do find that, you know, if I can get out and go for a roll, um, you know, like 60% of the time I'll feel better the next day. Um, so, and sometimes I'll feel worse the next day. Cause that's the thing. Like you just can't tell, like finding that balance in that line is so hard. And I used to, I used to just, I wanted to like wait through the flare up when it first started and say, you know what, I'm not going to push my body cause my body's telling me to chill. So I'm just going to listen to my body and do very little. And over time, you know, you start to lose muscle tone and that conditioning 
uh, factor starts to kick in and it, you start to get worse. <laughs> so exactly. I, like you have to find some way inside of the flare to work with it, which is so hard. Mm -hmm. and it takes years to figure out. And you're right. Like no one tells you how to do it. That's a huge part mm -hmm. of why I'm so passionate about making this show is like sharing our experiences as the community of people experiencing these things because doctors will just say like get some light exercise that's all they'll tell you to do it's like okay that feels completely impossible but thanks for the <laughs> advice <laughs> yeah yeah you think i haven't heard that from everybody i've ever run into <laughs> okay. how do i do it though what are what line this out for me in steps please because my body certainly doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. And like you said, one day I can feel, I can feel great. And there's a really nice bird watching park, like right next to me. If I can just drive down there and take a little walk around for even just 10, 15 minutes, it can feel great. And other days my body is just flat out screaming. Nope. You can't do anything. Yeah. And these days, these days, that's the biggest thing for me is trying to figure out what that balance is going to be and how am I going to adjust to find the best quality of life for yeah, myself. Totally. Because that's, that's what this is going to be is, is it's, it's incurable, not going to go away. Everybody knows that. Um, it's figuring out quality of life that, there, there's no way around it. And it's a lot of mental adjusting as much as physical adjusting, sometimes even more so because you're running up against, well, I didn't feel this bad a couple of years ago. Hmm. You know, yeah. Why can't I keep up with myself? And it's like, because fibromyalgia decided to say, hey, I'm here. This is going to be what your life is like now. You, That's you said that so well. You said that so well. I, <laughs> I love... I love how you phrase that. And it's something that I repeat all the time. You know, this whole idea of like, how do, how do I have to find the best quality of life for myself? You know, like that, that's the goal and recognizing yeah. that, you know, like letting go of, of who you used to be, you know, uh -huh. and recognizing that whatever it is in the future, that's going to be better than what you have now is not going to look like what the past looked like yes. because, because of a disease that is not your fault. And you also talked about like feeling like it was your fault. We've all gone through that and yeah. like f finding a way to, to let that go is so hard, you know, because it's like, it's my body that this thing is happening to. And it's my body that is causing these inconveniences for my friends and family. And that feels like my fault, you know, like as someone who mm -hmm. takes a lot of personal responsibility for my actions, that feels like my fault and learning to, think about it as like, well, it's, it's, it's a third thing, you know, it's like not their fault. It's not my fault. It's the fault of this disease. You know, it is this disease and it, it is a part of me, but it is not like something that I created, you know, mm -hmm. that's tough. That's something I'm still working, working through myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that I have a question for you. Um, yes, you, you talked about, uh, your RA progressing over time. You also mentioned that, uh, what, what's the word you used for your first diagnosis of RA? Palindromic rheumatism. Palindromic rheumatism. So I know like a palindrome is uh, something that reads the same forwards as backwards. Um, mm -hmm. what, what, is, what is the relationship with that word and that type of arthritis? 
basically it was just a i don't know if it's changed within the last couple of years but when they gave it to me it was basically just this has a lot of the same markers as ra and might progress into a different kind of arthritis over time but it is almost always affecting um people in their teen years or early 20s which i just completely fell into sometimes even into their 30s although the last rheumatologist that i saw she was like yep yep it, it's progressed we can officially call it ra now so do they do like blood tests and find markers th- to change that diagnosis that's what i believe is what happened <laughs> um they did, they did do blood tests on me um and everything came back being like yep yep that looks about right your blood tests are actually great but because of this this and this and this yeah yeah and then just also describing my symptoms okay so it's like partially a clinical diagnosis and then partially like a we're looking for inflammatory markers or something along those lines mm-hmm. in the blood yeah gotcha okay And then how old were you when the um, fibromyalgia started? That's the funny thing is thinking back on to all of this is that I know I can say for certain that it was around when I was 27 that I started to notice the slow change that then kind of steamrolled down into where it is now, because that's when I can trace back feeling consistently more exhausted, the pain manifesting daily and all over my body and the higher intensity levels of pain. But the funny thing is, is when I think about it, I think I've had a lot of fiber related pain, just the dull pain but not at a huge intensity, maybe like three to five. Mm-hmm. I probably had it for quite a few years before then. Yeah. But because I've been diagnosed with RA and I was young back then and I was like, well, the doctor must know. Okay. So, okay, cool. <laughs> you just went along with it. And I thought, well, okay. I mean, I guess that's kind of just, just, just part and parcel to it. And there's so much family history on both sides of varying kinds of things. It's like, okay, well, that's just part of the RA. And it was actually the winter before COVID where the pain was so intense and so constant. I was like, okay, we need to go into a rheumatologist. We need to get a new diagnosis if we can see what this is because my mom has had fibromyalgia for about 15 years now or at least that's at least when she was diagnosed she like me probably had the symptoms for a while before then but that's when she was officially diagnosed with it um and she said everything you are describing that sounds like fibro so (laughs) kind of had almost an unofficial lived diagnosis um before i got an official one and then COVID. So you just kind of hang or you hung around for a while, <laughs> not really having any sort of, I don't have a lot of relief now, but you didn't, you, you didn't have anything back then on top of everything that was going on with the world and society and all the stresses that are then coming on from that on top of everything else. And then it was a huge thing of 
trying to even find a doctor that was open. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I would guess, I know for certain that it started getting worse at 27 and that's been the downhill slope to about now at yeah. 32. Uh, but I do think I probably had the beginnings of it creeping in for much longer. And I just, I just didn't think about it. I didn't realize it. Cause you know, you just, you're like, okay, I mean, yeah, I have RA. I don't have a lot of endure as much endurance as other people. I get my brain fog now and again. I definitely have, you know, heavy pain. Didn't give it a second thought, but it definitely was creeping along there for a while. Yeah. That makes total sense. Cause like when you, when you start to experience like a weird dull ache somewhere, you probably don't think too much of it until you're like five years later and it's gotten worse. It's like, okay, well, what is this thing that's been hurting forever? You know, like this mm -hmm. is driving me crazy. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. That, be, I mean, cause bodies have aches and pains that come and go, you know, and I, I've learned not to freak out about every pain that I feel because some of them just go away. And I have like several places where I've had pain for years. So I guess I take that back. Sometimes I do freak out about every pain because I'm like, is this going to be a new one that lasts forever? <laughs> I just got exactly. a collection, Something you know? <laughs> yes. Um, but no, that totally makes sense that you would, you know, have it for a while and have it like kind of creeping on. Um, so what, what was your experience getting that diagnosis? How hard was it to, you know, you mentioned like trying to find someone during COVID. Um, but from 27 to 32, did you go through any struggles with doctors not believing you? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to, to put it in one word, yes. To um, the a longer version, um, I really only had a PCP during that time because the rheumatologist that had initially diagnosed me with the palindromic rheumatism um, she put me on Plaquenil and we had seen pretty good success with it where, and this might very much have been the fibro starting to creep in and the RA starting to kind of phase its way out because uh, the RA is just kind of really a blip here and there those these days. Wow. Uh, I mean, it'll be awful, but it's a blip. Um, we, we thought that, oh, you know, I think you're in remission. You can kind of just chill. You don't need to come back and see me all the time anymore. You know, you're good. So it's like, okay, that is fantastic. I still feel tired and I still have, you know, this kind of dull pain and I don't know why my endurance is crap, but you know, whatever, maybe it's just still a, it's an arthritis thing, whatever. At least I'm not in a ton of pain. So it was really just my PCP for a while there. And I went into her and she was fantastic. She initially, she was fantastic. Um, and she was kind of just the family PCP. And then in the past couple of years, it went from, oh, you need this, th this pain management, pain relief medication. Okay, I can prescribe that to you. To um, last year, yeah, it would have been last year or maybe even the year before, where um, I went in, no, yeah, it was during COVID. So it would have been um, 2020. Um, came in for a car appointment in the parking lot and she came out and it might sound like a dramatic word choice, but I know everyone else will get it. And it's certainly what it felt like. I basically was interrogated about whether or not like now, now what did you come in for me for again? 
And uh, what was your diagnosis and when did you get that? And, you know, what do you need these medications for? Which even then went into my migraine and then tension headache medications, which she had prescribed to me and diagnosed me with migraines in like 2015. Weird. And and, uh, it basically just came down to, yeah, no, you, you Oh, what was what was their exact wording? It was something along the lines of, "We're just concerned because you're just too young to be having these kinds of pain." <laughs> like, uh, last I checked, chronic illness doesn't believe in those kinds of things. Right. But yeah, so I definitely have the age factor working against me. They, they just want you to go. They really just believe that going on. Tylenol and a big old combination of Aleve will be enough for RA and fibro because why would you need or and and of course factor in the yoga because <laughs> you don't need anything more than that you know yeah. a Tylenol and Aleve is going to be just fine so there were there was a lot of if not fully outright stated you know it's all in your head because yeah. you know you're a woman especially so it must all just be in your head you're ju- you're just uh, over dramatizing or do you even have it at all which you don't want to put words in their mouth but does lead you to go okay well what are you thinking about me then it like, sounds what? like they're it sounds like they've suddenly decided that you're displaying drug seeking behavior that's exactly what we were what we were discussing back yeah. then yeah exactly you nailed it were were you on any sort of opiates tramadol that's the one that I took. <laughs> really? No we got a lot in common. Yeah. And that's the craziest thing is even, well, especially even now, because everybody's decided that it just must be the worst thing in the entire world. Yeah. Um, is that I have been taking it since like 2011 back and, and it was always just controlled. It was a, a consistent supply but it was enough. I, it might very well have been why I had a somewhat better quality of life because they were giving me back then a 90, uh, like 90 supply per month, but there was never any, never any addiction, never any, some sort of high. I'm a responsible medicine taker. I would only ever take it when I need it. And I'm sorry if, you know, if I need to take it, consistently that's because i'm in consistent pain and i would like relief absolutely i i use a variety of every kind of you know medicinal natural pain relief you can get um just even like my heated blanket and my weighted blanket but i they made me feel shame yeah for needing uh, an opioid, an opiate. They made me feel heart. shame for me. It's awful. <laughs> no, I went through something very similar with tramadol. Um, mm-hmm. Tramadol was so helpful to me for years. Yes. And I would take it, yes. you know, like ma- like maximum maybe like three times a week. Because if I took yeah. it on back-to-back days, it wouldn't be effective and sometimes it would make me dizzy. Mm. Um, oh, no. So I'd usually take it like maybe once a week. It was kind of like my last resort for really bad pain days. And it yeah. was so incredibly comforting and helpful to have something like that in my back pocket. Uh, but then the classification of tramadol changed to a Schedule mm-hmm. One drug. 
And yeah. it was overnight, like the doctor that had been prescribing it to me didn't want to give it to me anymore. And that's exactly what went down with my PCP. Yeah. yeah. And they, they went from the, from the 90 straight down to 30 and they didn't even call me to tell me it just showed up as the new prescription one day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's not right. You know, if someone yeah. is displaying, um, consistently displaying that they are not overusing this medication, yep. then they are not. I mean, I, I readily recognize the danger of opiates. Absolutely. A thousand percent, you know, yes. um, but it's not as simple as like, well, you just don't need it anymore. You know, like that's, that's completely unfair. I switched at that point. Um, cause you know, things got weird here in Washington state. Um, so I was like just mostly using tramadol and then marijuana was legalized mm. around the same time that, uh, tramadol became a schedule one drug. So all of a sudden it was very easy to get cannabis products mm -hmm. and incredibly difficult to get tramadol. So I switched and I found it to be, you know, it wouldn't take away as much pain, but I found that I could use it regularly and, uh, and like not have any of the side effects of tramadol, like the dizziness or anything like that. Um, and I found it to be a little bit more effective for just like long-term use. So I just switched to that and I didn't fight the doctor over the tramadol. Um, and like different things work differently at different times in my life. So like now when I take tramadol, it's not as effective. So I just kind of gave up on that fight because for some reason it doesn't work as well as it used to, um, which was a relief because it was such a battle to try to get some. I ended up getting some from a ear, nose, and throat doctor. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what? You met me for the first time and you're giving me tramadol. My primary care doctor won't give it to me anymore. Like, what's the deal here? After I've been on it for basically over a decade. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 the fact that they they don't believe you and they belittle you yeah. and they go so far as to yeah think that you very well think that you might be a drug seeker when you have displayed absolutely no history of it whatsoever and the charts don't even reflect that either when you go back and read their their medical notes it's yeah mm. and and that's it. it's like i don't care what i take as long as it's safe and legal yeah i just want pain relief yeah exactly <laughs> my mom my mom is in the exact same boat as me where we, we just want something that will be effective that's why we're pursuing anything natural mm -hmm. that we can or even things that aren't advertised as being active chronic pain relief but could still help my therapist was saying oh i've had success not saying that it will work for you but it's worked for me so maybe it'll take an edge off excedrin migraine or even my doll because it involves mm. uh muscle relaxers yeah um i just want pain relief i just want yeah. pain relief Totally. And my pain, my pain is at the level that my quality of life has decreased over the past several years because I don't have sufficient pain relief. That's so frustrating. Think, that makes me so mad. I know. I know. I don't. And, and I know that my story is so very much not the rare story. And yeah. that's what. <laughs> That's what makes me so angry is that so many of us don't need to be questioned, don't need to be suffering. And then when you factor in my pain has a direct tie to my depression as well, mm. because when my mood will just tank and then you'll think, what kind of life am I going to have 
if I can't ever get any sort of consistent relief? Like, is this yeah. really going to be all it is? Because when I was diagnosed this year, it was this initial fibromyalgia. Finally, I have a name. Someone actually <laughs> bothered to believe me. Uh, a rheumatologist believed me and was like, yep, yep, that's what you have. Let's put you on gabapentin and see if that works and start increasing things up and do what we can. They can't prescribe anything stronger than that, but we'll at least try to do everything we can to try to attack the um, baseline level of pain if we can't and maybe decrease the breakthrough, though, you know, we'll see. And it was such a huge relief to finally have this. Yeah. And then the longer I sat with it, the more it became, this is what I have. This is what I'm going to have to some extent for the rest of my life. And then it became hard. Hmm. Yeah. And that's become, I'm currently in the midst of, like we talked about earlier, finding the balance of what's going to make my best quality of life as well as finding that mental acceptance, because when you're feeling pretty decent, it's easy to be like, yeah, I have fibromyalgia, I have RA, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to make our best of it. And then you have a pain day of nine or 10 and you don't know how you're going to get through it. Yeah. And you do, but you look out on the, the rest of your life and think, am I even going to be able to do the things I dreamed of doing instead of, instead of realizing that, yes, I can travel, but it will be slower. It'll be at a different pace than, than an able-bodied person. And that's okay because that's who I am. Yeah. And it's not going to be a rose garden well, we can figure out the best way to give me my best life as much as we can. Even if I'm facing difficult doctors, we'll just do, and I don't have relief in my back pocket, like you said, we'll just do everything that we can. And that's the best that we can do. And I'm still in the midst of figuring out and having to accept that. And it's hard because like you mentioned, you think about the person that you used to be, like, yeah, I had RA, but I could get a real, a, around pretty well. Lack of endurance, but yeah, okay. And you think, I've changed so much from just what I could do five years ago. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's rough. It's rough. So it's Those a lot. Those thoughts are a dark spiral, and it is hard yes. when, you, when you fall into that. It's really hard to claw your way out. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's so frustrating because the difference between like drug seeking behavior and asking a doctor to help you with your pain is, is like zero. There's no difference, you know, like in a doctor's eyes, when, when you go into a doctor and say, I'm in a lot of pain, I would like some medication to help with this. That's in their mind, that's drug seeking behavior. And that's crossed, like that's crossed the line in the last few years where it's now kind of impossible to get help um, because of this, you know, like this war on opiates and on the other side of this, like, yes, there's a huge problem with opiates in this country. An opioid addiction is a massive, massive issue. Um, but chronic pain is, is, uh, is another pandemic that we're all living through. Like, yes, there's millions yes. of people living with chronic pain. And we have tools that can help that are no longer being used that, mm -hmm. that can be very helpful. You know, I mean, yeah, like taking tramadol 
light use of tramadol to help you get through the day and to have a better quality of life? Absolutely. Like, why not? It's so frustrating that that's now become like so impossible to get. And this whole thing of like doctors trying to shame you out of using it, you know, I've experienced some of that as well. And it's, it feels awful. Like when I feel afraid to even ask a doctor for pain management now, because like the responses that I get are awful. And I, I finally have a doctor now who listens to me and takes me seriously. And like my old primary care provider was the one who was giving me tramadol. And I just had to stop seeing her because, you know, at one point she actually like threw her hands up in the air and said, I'm out of ideas for you because, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with you and I don't know what to do with you. Um, but yeah, but you know, it gets so when you're in a, a, a place in this cycle, because it, it is all like cyclical, it, like comes and goes, things go up and down, laws change around opiates, and then doctors treat you differently overnight because they're covering their asses because of what's going on with, you know, with the legality of prescribing it. Um, and when you get into a place where you're not getting what you need, it's so hard to get through. But that's mm-hmm. going to change too. You know, eventually that will change. Something new will happen. Scientific breakthroughs are like just around the corner. And, you know, keeping yourself, I, I, I've like, le- I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to keep myself in this place where it's like, I really can't think about the past too much because it really upsets me. And I can't think about the future too much either because <laughs> it's so like unknown. Um, so I'm just like, what can I do right now in this moment to cope? So what are your coping mechanisms when you are in a really rough time? I mean, obviously some days you can do nothing, but sit there and, and cry. I, I hear that. That happens. That's real. Um, on a day where you have, you know, a little bit more where you can do something to kind of get to cope, to get through it. What, what are the things that you've leaned on that have helped? It's so funny you say that because that's what my therapist has been telling me for months because <laughs> especially when you have anxiety yeah. and you just like to doom a spiral yeah. and that's a habit you've been in your entire life. You then have to get into the habit, which is never easy to begin a habit, especially if it's mental of reframing the doom spirals yeah. as well as forcing yourself as best you can to live in the present and just focus on the present. Even if it's just that present moment of, I am putting things in the dishwasher. I am not going to spiral out into X, Y, Z, whatever has decided to bother me that moment of that day. So it's it's funny you say that. It's like, yep, further reinforcement of that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm just Um, a dude. I I have no medical training. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just someone who's lived with chronic pain for a long time. And I have found some things that work for me. Doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's going to work for anyone else, but you know, sure. I, yeah. but I can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Whatever, whatever is helpful, as long as it's safe, that is fine by me. Yeah. But no, yeah. Um, re reframing the negative thoughts that I have as best that I can Yeah. and living in the present. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then self care, like, Self-care looks different for everybody, but the biggest thing about self-care is also recontextualizing what my self-care is and what the best kind of self-care is for me personally. And because I used to kind of think of self-care as I'm going to sit on the couch and eat junk food and (laughs) marathon something on Netflix. Now, there are some nights nights where that absolutely 10,000% is self-care and is exactly what you need to be doing that night. Because yeah. let me tell you, having a fibro flare 
for the past two weeks, that was the right kind of self-care because you, I didn't want to engage my brain with anything else. And engaging my brain with anything else was then in a way further exhausting because it was demanding more out of me than I could give. So absolutely. Some nights that's perfect. Um, what I found is just surrounding myself with all the little things that make me happy. And whether that is, I've developed an, a love for pretty sparkling lights and candles mm. and fake candles. And then um, I have a little wax melter. And I've actually found some awesome people who make um, nerd themed wax melts, like tied to a character. Mm. And that is fun. I was like, yes, I am going to wax melt Luke Skywalker today. It like <laughs> makes me laugh. It makes me laugh. And it's also amazing because, um, and then, you know, taking the time, if I actually feel good enough that day to bake something, to try to get better at cooking, because that like a lot of people has started to interest me more the past couple of years. Um, Some days I absolutely can't do it, or I just have to go in stages. Um, And then when I can't take a shower, that the, the heat the, the resetting of the mind after a work day is essential. And if I have to sit on a stool in the shower or chill for like 10, 15 minutes when I'm out of the shower, okay, if I can make it work, then it's fantastic. And then also just reading. That was one of the other things that I have loved my entire life. And for some reason, just kind of had fallen out of. And I just couldn't really figure out why, because I would still buy so many books, more <laughs> books than I have bookshelves or room in the house. But I just couldn't really get myself to just sit down and connect. I think I just had all this restless energy to do so much that I had talked myself into thinking that reading was a waste of time because I was sitting around versus, you know, creating. But then you need to bring in other people's creations and art to feed your own soul as much as creating your own. And so my cat and I now have a little routine where at about eight or nine o'clock, I'm like, okay, you ready? And then I get up my uh, bed pillow, which is amazing, incredibly comfy. Um, And then she just gets on my lap and then we just read books for a couple hours. Yeah. Well, she snoozes <laughs> and I, and I do the reading. So of all the places, it was on an Instagram, a chronic meme humor account, which is a scream. Like it's that kind of relatability, sometimes almost black humor where you're like, Oh, yep. 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 Well, the, my, my most favorite one I saw recently was yes, that Tylenol helped my chronic pain said no one ever. (laughs) (laughs) So there was one. um, And the one that I had found wasn't humor, but it was talking about surrounding yourself with the small joys or the little joys and how, um, again, not to come back to the same subject over and over again, but especially uh, with the pandemic, realizing and i've gone through the same thing realizing of what you want to prioritize and what means the most to you and that 
I want to surround myself and live with the small joys almost more than the what I used to think were the bigger ones. Like, of course, still aim for big ones. But if the little ones are spending time with my loved ones, which shouldn't sound like a small joy, but society likes to act like it is. Like you just go watch a movie. My mom comes over and we watch a movie. To me, that's a large joy. But, you know, you surround yourself with the things that are more consistent daily happiness. I love it. I love what you're saying. There's so much wisdom in what you're saying. Um, Joy is cumulative. And you can kind of trick yourself into being a happier person by surrounding yourself with those small joys. You know, I love what you're saying about like setting the mood, lighting some candles, having some twinkly lights. Like our mutual friend makes um, Jenny on uh, Jenny Marie Studio on Instagram. She makes these incredible little... Uh, candle holders that she hand paints with like nerdy scenes on them. And I have one with E.T. and Elliot flying past the moon that I love so much. Um, Yeah, yeah. like set set up your room, you know, like light some candles, give yourself uh, an atmosphere or a mood, a nice smell, some aromatherapy. Um, You know, like people talk about these things as if they it's like, oh, you can cure yourself with aromatherapy. No, you can't. But you can improve your life with um, with some small joy, you know, you can like you can start to accumulate some good feelings because when your body feels bad all the time and you don't have control over that, the only thing you have control over in that moment is how you feel about your body feeling bad, you know, <laughs> and that yeah. gets so hard. You know, you've you've alluded to some mental health challenges. You've talked about seeing a therapist. So important to have a therapist, you know, someone who understands chronic pain, especially who can help yes. to guide you through. You talked about like the mental reframing, also so incredibly re- important, um, you know, recontextualizing your life and and the way that you fit into your own life and the way that joy is going to look in your life so important but you're talking you're hitting on all the really really important uh pieces of living with chronic pain um yeah so i you know i i can see you no one listening to the podcast will be able to see you but you have this like joyful bubbly personality and we talk about this like this constant pain that you're in and i can just see the the sadness that that causes you know i feel like someone like me because i feel it and i have it too i feel like i can recognize it in people because i know what it looks like because i see it in the mirror all the time Uh, and it's hard it's a hard thing to live with you know like tell me about the mental health piece of this so i was um diagnosed with all the things i mentioned earlier um in it would have been because time has no meaning and it's not a concept anymore. Um, I believe it was uh, 2019 when I actually saw my first um, psychiatrist and first and only because she is, she and my therapist are both a gift. If I did not have them and the close knit support system of my best friends and family, I honestly don't know where I would be. But yeah, the mental health challenges factor in I mean, yeah, I, I, I've had depression and anxiety about as long as I can remember just about anything else to some degree. I mean, well, that's kind of a lie. And <laughs> that's kind of a lie in that I think about it back and um, uh, right about, I used to be incredibly energetic, no self, like no lack of self-confidence. I was just me. And then kind of started pre-teen years teen 
depression and anxiety kind of started coming in. And I do think it's also hereditary in some degrees um, from some of my um, grandparents, but the way it factors in, <sighs> it's like I said earlier, the um, pain can be an immediate mood shift. Yeah. A great example is that yesterday was one of those very rare days where for some reason I woke up and I felt pretty decent physically. Um, and you all, and then the, that's one of those things where you start to side eye them. You're like, I don't think that's going to last. I know that's not going to last. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then it didn't because, you know, pain started spiking in around um, one or two o'clock and it, it was still pretty bad. I'm out of the worst of the flare, but it still was not pretty. Um, and then the mood immediately, immediately yeah. went to, into a spiral. And like you said, it's so hard to pull yourself out of those spirals, especially when you are feeling them so often to then drag yourself back out of it, you get so exhausted of dragging yourself back out of it. So then you almost just want to sit in it. And, um, and then you will also have, and then it's a, a sort of back and forth cyclical thing as well, where if I'm depressed, that can then also bring on more pain. Mm -hmm. So almost everything that I have, like I said, is overlapping in some degree and you kind of don't know what's coming from where. Um, and so the, this is something that I'm still learning as well to let myself have my bad days, give myself a little gentleness and be like, yeah, if you need to feel incredibly depressed and cry some today and not do much, that's valid Absolutely. because that's valid. We all have bad days and chronic pain people know exactly what bad days are like and know unfortunately know how much grace we need to give ourselves that continuing to give yourself that is something that i'm still like i said still learning of that it's okay to do that you have to push yourself carefully when necessary but you also have to be understanding with yourself because sometimes it's your brain and your body working against you at the exact same time. And when that happens, you just gotta do your best to just relax. And if you can't make yourself feel better, you write it out. You do everything that you can. Yeah. And some days are a wash. It's like nothing's going to yes, be better until you exactly. go to sleep. Like, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. And, and I briefly mentioned how the anxiety uh, yeah, the anxiety, anxiety, especially this past year or so, I will love to spiral into the, well, what can I do with the rest of my life? Am I just going to be in constant pain? Can I do nothing but just sit on the couch? Can I mm. not even be creative? Will I be able to accomplish anything creative? Um, the days that I can't, or I actually want to create or can't create because I'm in too much pain. Because sometimes the, you'll have the, the mental drive to do something and your body is like, nope, no, you, you can't. You can't put words to a page. You, yeah. you, you, your hands hurt too much to try and just even do a little paint by numbers. Um, that's when I feel the worst because mm -hmm. it then brings into question of, yeah, I keep using the word spiral, but that's exactly what it is. A, a black hole, a flush to drain, if you will, even 
of if I can't be creative, if I can't feel good enough to be creative, well, then what do I do with myself? What is the point if I can't tap into something I consider that essential? I I live that as well. It's so, it's so hard. Those are the worst days when you just have this like urge, the itch to make something and your body just won't respond and you just can't do it. You know, and you got to wait until the next time that that urge comes back and hope that you have energy that day. And it's, it's really awful. You know, like that, that's actually one of the hardest parts for me is, is days where I want to make something and can't, or just feeling like I'm so slow. Um, you said something about, uh, you know, when you, when you're in emotional pain, it can make your physical pain worse. I, mm-hmm. I had a podcast where I spoke with a, a pain researcher and he talked about how the, the pain center in the brain um, that we have one pain center in our brain and physical pain and emotional pain are both processed in the same place in the brain. And that no completely way. blew my mind. It's like really opened up how I think about this because I, I really believe that, you know, mental health challenges, depression, that is chronic pain. You know, it is emotional yes. pain, but it is chronic yes. pain. And it can be, it can be the hardest part of living with any sort of chronic pain is is being depressed about it, you know? Like yes. I, I've been on this journey for the last, like, year or two to try to disassociate. Well, really from, like, this, I'd say, like, this last year. I'm trying to disassociate my physical pain from my emotional pain. And it's really hard. It's like, can I have a bad pain day and not feel sad? I'm getting better at it, you know? It's like, it's it's that thing of, like, neuroelasticity when you kind of work yeah. on something that seems impossible the more you do it, the easier it becomes because your brain starts to build pathways. Yeah. So, you know, you never, you never know what's possible. And I, I have surprised myself, even as I have gotten worse in some ways, I've gotten better in others. Um, but like, so I relate so much to what you're talking about. <laughs> like a, a lot of the sentences that you have said, I could have said, and it would have been like exactly applicable to, to like situations in my life. It just, it, it blows my mind how common so much of these experiences are. Yeah. You know, like as the host of this podcast, as the as the person who's been here for every one of these conversations so far, there is so much similarity. You know, there's so much similarity that the the commonality of experience of living with chronic pain in the world right now is is so similar. And I get so much comfort from that. It's why I'm always smiling and laughing when we have these conversations. Because it's like, oh my God, this is this is real, you know, like what you're talking yes. about. Like this is what happens. And it happens to a lot of people. And it's okay. You know, it sucks and it's horrible, but it's okay. It's not my fault. It's like there there are ways to live with it that are better than the the worst ways that I've lived through it, you know, when I was fighting myself and, you know, not getting off the couch or doing anything and kind of succumbing to it instead of trying to learn how to to like partner with it and work with it and move forward with it Mm. and like i still have awful days you know but i have a lot more like but my mental state is has been better recently and um and that's been a relief you know it's it's amazing how how much of a difference that makes like not being in chronic pain and just being chronically depressed is awful you know like that piece is so big Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that I love so much. And thank you so much for for doing this podcast, because listening back into the catalog of it, it's that exact same feeling. And even just finally, when I was earlier this year getting online and looking into some kind of stepping my toe into fibromyalgia and chronic pain communities and a feeling, whether it's physical or emotional, 
where, oh my God, I have felt that for years. I thought I was just me. Yeah. The community in any sense, I think is so vital to survival. Yeah. Honestly. Absolutely. If we can keep each can, other going. Yes. Like it is horrible that so many people have to feel the way we do and can understand it. But at the same time, we wouldn't be able, I think, to go on without it. Like it the kind of solace and um, comfort and honestly, yeah, keeping each other going that we can get yeah. through just sharing our experiences, whether it's commiserating, whether it's yelling about something, whether it is doing exactly what this podcast is doing and letting people tell their stories and hopefully they'll be able to reach somebody else. Like if, if just one person, that's why I put stuff on my um, Instagram with like chronic pain. And I post openly about chronic pain and fibromyalgia in um, some of my captions where I'm a nerd account. I take nerdy photos of stuff. I usually just talk about nerdy stuff, um, but I'm also you know, I'm not a popular account, but that's okay. <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to do. It's I'm just having point. fun. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just having fun. And because even though my platform might be small and that's not in a violin, violin way at all, it's just a fact of, yeah, okay. I don't care that my platform might be quote unquote small. If even one person, whether it's someone who knows me who didn't know the extent of my chronic pain, or if it's a random person who found something and happens to take the time to see something about fibro that they didn't know before, or just about chronic pain in general, or depression, or anxiety, OCD, et cetera, any of these things, if it brings someone comfort, or if it just raises a tiny bit of awareness, that's the least I can do. Yeah. Like in, in, any, in any format that I can, that's the least I can do. Well, you've already done that for me today. You've given me Aww. that feeling of, you know, feeling seen by seeing someone's common experience. It, mm. you know, Same here. Yeah, Same here. Absolutely. Yes, it just like, and I'm, I know that people will listen to this and feel that too. And it just feels, that fills me with joy, you know? Like yes. this, this is me like getting creative to make joy in my life. Like that's why I do this show. Um, you know, like I, everything you're saying about like creativity and, and like getting that feeling. Like I also, I've been trying to apply that just to my life in general. Like on those days where I can't do anything, I'm trying to get out of my, you know, the commonality of my uh, habits and say, mm -hmm. okay, well, what can I do different? What can I try that's new? Like yeah. what sort of rolling around on the floor could I do that would feel good today? <laughs> And that stuff helps, you know, it, like, it, I don't know. I, I'm feeling much more like possibilities are opening e instead mm. of closing, which is so weird because, you know, because I use a wheelchair and I have like weird muscle weakness and all this stuff. But I also, I, I might be getting a diagnosis and that's really changed everything oh, yeah. because, yeah. you know, because um, that just was like not on the table for yeah, I was just like pounding the pavement, like, please, somebody run some tests on me and nobody would because they're like, oh, you're too young. That, that thing you said oh. about like, you're too young. Um, you're, they, I, I heard this over and over, like, you're young and healthy. I'm like, really? <laughs> then why am I here? You know, like they just weren't listening to me, weren't believing me, um, mm -hmm. telling me that I was young and healthy and that they didn't need to run any more tests. They'd run like, they do an MRI, come back normal, like, okay, well, we're done. Um, yeah. Do you have any worry about 
like, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I absolutely do not mean to imply that fibromyalgia is not a real diagnosis because it 100% is. But I do know that it is also, in some cases, a diagnosis of exclusion, um, where it basically means like you have, you officially have chronic pain. And in most cases, that means that, you know, there is no treatment. It is a lifelong condition. Um, but in some cases, it means that something was missed in the diagnostic process. I mean, that was the case for me personally, which is why I asked this question is, mm-hmm. do you have any fear or anxiety about that being the case for you? I don't think so, but only because it is so, so hereditary hmm. that it would kind of shock me if it was anything else. Because like I said earlier, when I started consistently feeling stiff and aches and pains um, in my joints, I went to my parents and I was like, so we should probably get this looked into because, okay, so what, what are the symptoms and signs of, you know, arthritis, you know, cause I'm kind of feeling X, Y, Z. So I wasn't even surprised that it came on. I was just kind of surprised that it came on so young. Hmm. And then my mom having fibromyalgia for probably over 15 some odd years at this point. Yeah. It wasn't a surprise. And so, um, yeah, I would only say that because it's so, it is so hereditary. It just goes back at least to both sides of my grandparents having various forms of RA or arthritis. Well, that's great. I mean, I'm glad to hear that because, you know, having a word, having a name is so powerful and being able to feel comfortable with it is... Mm -hmm is very freeing. But like you said, then you get down to the nitty gritty of like, okay, now I got to live with this thing. And exactly. It's like, yeah. how do I live with it? And then how w- the thing that the other thing that you mentioned, what does concern me is yes. I know that things will hopefully at some point in time, get better for everyone. As you mentioned, the developments in science and ever changing laws. And then the physicians who just want to, avoid getting in trouble will shift along with those laws. But um, the, the concern that I have is that then, okay, you have chronic pain and, or you have fibromyalgia case closed. The, the, the limitations of whether what the people who don't know what chronic pain entails and what it feels like and what it means to be diagnosed with an incurable disease for the rest of your life they don't know what that means. They don't know what it's like. And so they can just brush it off and mm. they have, they're in control and they have the power to brush it off. Yeah, and that is so that, true. That, it trickles down to everybody because they make the laws. Um, and whether that is then physicians who brush it off or the poor, my, I have so much sympathy um, for the physician's, who want to do more and help their patients and their hands are tied Yeah, because they can't do anything more. Yeah, totally. Um, God bless my rheumatologist. She was being straight up honest about, I would like to prescribe you this, but if insurance insurance might not cover it because whatever reason insurance, <laughs> because insurance is insurance. Yeah. Happens a lot. Um, and so then, yeah, it's going to, cost an arm and a leg. And so like, yeah, I do not have that kind of money to pay for it out of pocket. Yeah. And the fact that they're upfront about it and they are clearly frustrated that they would like to give you something that is more 
baseline than breakthrough pain, but they're still trying. They're doing all they can and they can't even, they can't even do as much as they want to. Yeah. So that is the concern is you don't want to be completely pessimistic. Like I said, and go into the spirals, but you have to be a realist and you just being a realist is then also in constant up and down because you just don't know. You have your fingers crossed and you're and you're watching the sciences and developing things, but you just also can't say for sure. Yeah. So that's that's the biggest thing is this yeah. is something that I have a lot of faith in that okay, good. they're they're gonna crack the lid off of fibromyalgia. I don't know if it'll happen in our lifetimes, but they're gonna get there. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly think that the COVID nineteen pandemic and the amount of people that are now living with chronic pain, the long haul COVID people, yes. um, there is now like, a, a, you know, like we had this club of people living with chronic pain yes. and our numbers have grown, yeah. you know, significantly. Yeah. Um, and there is now like so much, like, because of that, there, there is this like need out there to to push a little harder and i hate that it kind of took more people joining the club for that to happen but i'm seeing research articles coming out all the time now and fibromyalgia is one of those things that it is on people's minds like it is on the science the mind of the scientific community they are they are digging right now and you know this whole thing of like you know people with like chronic widespread pain you know chronic nerve pain there's a whole bunch of different reasons why it can happen. And we, we know very little about any of them. And we're going to get more knowledge. You know, we're going to get deeper into it. And I, I think what's going to happen is that, you know, the thing that is called fibromyalgia, I think that there's probably like several different eventual diagnoses and disease, yeah, diseases that yeah. are in that bundle. Uh, mm-hmm. And it will start to be parsed through and like people will start to get treatments and start to get better. It's just like, which, which part of this are, are, are you in, you know, that's going to be the question. Um, yeah. So I, that's how I see the future going. I have no idea if I'm right or wrong, but I just really feel like we're going to make progress. And on top of that, like you are a creative person and you are applying your own creativity to your life and you're going to find new ways to feel joy and to feel good. I can just tell that about you and the way that you talk about this, your mindset and the way that you're approaching this. So, you know, that, that gives me hope for, for your quality of life, you know, absolutely. Just from talking to you for the last hour. Um, (laughs) Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So my last question for you, um, if you were to address someone who is living with chronic pain uh, and maybe hasn't even been diagnosed yet with fibromyalgia, fibromyalgia, someone who's on that journey and is feeling hopeless and lost at the beginning of that journey, what would you tell them? Ooh, it's hard in the fact that I don't want to oversimplify anything and then just say what sounds like, you know, oh, you'll feel better. It's going to get better because that's what people who don't understand it are going to say. But what I, even though it's going to feel hopeless, it isn't hopeless. Even though that's something that I am frequently having to remind myself sometimes more consistently than I'd like to admit that, no, it's not hopeless. It isn't, it isn't hopeless. Just because you feel it in that moment doesn't mean that it's going to be. And invest in whatever is the best 
coping mechanism for you that is safe, obviously, like self-care. If you can invest in whatever kind of self-care you can, I mean, I know self-care has almost become a kind of a buzzword, (laughs) but that doesn't take away the fact that it's so essential and so legitimate. Whatever it is, if it makes you happy, then do it. Yeah. Do it. Even even if you can't do much of it. Sometimes what I will find is that if I'm not in the mood, if I don't know if I'm not in the mood to like read a book, because that's usually the thing for me right now that does the best for me. Like, man, I'm just so I'm in so much pain. I'm so depressed. XYZ. I don't want to do anything. Sometimes, again, not it's not a thing that can be done every day, as we've mentioned before. But if I just crack open the spine and start something, that's enough. Yeah. Even if it's just starting the thing, even if it's just two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, that's two to five minutes of something that is nurturing and good for you that you didn't have before. And surround yourself with people who, if they can't help you figure it out, though, hopefully their own experiences, you know, search out people who have had this similar experiences, who are in the same boat as you, if they have more experience and can share their own coping mechanisms and their own advice, then the, the internet, as, as much as, as I sometimes want to eliminate it from existence, <laughs> is also is also like so many things so essential because of that sense of community. Try to find chronic pain and fibro communities. And even if you just lurk and read things and you don't want to interact because, hello, I'm an introvert. It's like even, even typing something on the internet, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. Just try to, try to surround yourself with community and people who have gone through the exact same things as you, because even if it's just a joke or even if it is, yeah, I feel the exact same level of pain. I feel the exact same fear and loss and I feel or I feel lost. And then at least you're not alone. You're not alone. And it's not all in your head. So kind of, kind of, I guess, three, three tiered level advice, something there, but (laughs) yeah, but very, very valuable. I mean, all, all really good stuff. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to check out your, your stuff, your creativity. So plug it. Where do we go? Plug your social media, plug your YouTube, anything that you'd like to, um, let people know if anyone wants to reach out to you on social media or just, you know, check out whatever you're up to as a creative person. Where do we go? Okay. So um, my Instagram, it is nerdily inclined. <laughs> those two words. I know. It's one of those things where I sat around being like, what is my username going to be? I don't know. Big, like biggest decision of the decade, of course, but <laughs> nerdily inclined. Um, I am multi-fandom. I talk talk about things, uh, take photographs, basically just a big invitation to just join me in being geeky and loving on things and doing so shamelessly. Um, And then also incorporating creativity into that. And then my YouTube is, Star Wars fans will get this, um, it is called Hearts of Kyber. 
Nice. So that's, and so, <laughs> I, I love know, it. I, I how did you I get was, that? How did you even get that? That's like an actual line from a movie. Like, how did you get yeah. that? Well, Rogue One Rogue is One. my favorite. It's my favorite Star Wars it's movie. A, like, absolutely fantastic star. movie. Yeah. Yes. And I love it because the strongest stars have hearts of Kyber. That's yeah. like one of my favorite lines of anything ever. So cheer I was like, it. Yeah, I was like yeah. It's not, oh, cheer. Yes. So, yeah. I love him. And my YouTube is. Um, People who have been in fandom for a while, like in the depths of fandom um, online, will will probably be somewhat familiar with the concept of fan videos, which is basically just taking a song and then making a music video of your favorite show or movie to that song. I've been doing that since longer than I want to admit, since probably like 2009. It's kind of what actually helped me realize that I loved uh, post-production and editing work um, and sound design. And I was like, okay, well, if I love it this much and love movies so much, I guess I better go to film school. So <laughs> I kind of rediscovered a love of that again because of the pandemic. So uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's the, those are the main two places where you can find me. Fantastic. That's awesome. Are you on TikTok? I am actually on TikTok. Um, I don't do a lot at the moment because I'm still figuring out how it works. <laughs> and, I finally, and I finally just got a new phone that can actually keep up with filming a TikTok mm. instead of like crashing within five seconds. But yeah, I, I am usually just a lurker on TikTok, but Parts of Kyber Edits, that's where you can find me there. Cool. Well, I always uh, share these episodes on Instagram and TikTok, so I'll tag you in nice. both places if you'd like to be tagged. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, and I will. I didn't know you were on TikTok. I will go follow. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I'll, I'll tag you. It'll be an easy way for our listeners to come find you. Um, Kelsey, you did an absolutely fantastic job today. Oh, I love this conversation. Such an amazing way you to too. spend an afternoon. You know, just thank I you agree. so much for your time for sharing your story. Um, I'm really excited to share this, and I just wish you all the best in your pain journey. You know, I. I relate to so much of what you're saying and I I totally know the difficulty the difficulties that you're facing and the catch 22 that you constantly find yourself in <laughs> and you're working through it and with grace and with such a great attitude and outlook and I know you know even through all of the difficulty of that I just think that's so admirable and I just really appreciate you coming on the show today thank you so much yeah, well, thank you. And like I said, I so appreciate what you're doing with this podcast. Just the, the episodes that I've been listening to have done me a world of good. Oh, well, thank um, you. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes. And thank you for your time and all that you do. And completely the same back to you. I think this is just fantastic. And it was an excellent way to spend my Saturday. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com.
Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, and Brooke Walters Schmidt, and our $25 per month producers Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, and Ensign Q. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash Major Pain Podcast.